Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. We'll be taken from the 28th chapter on the book of Genesis. And we will begin with the 10th verse. And if you had your Bible, this is what you would find so written. Says Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haram. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taken one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give you and to your descendants. And your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And by you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth bless themselves. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone which he had put under his head and set it up for a pillow and poured oil on, on the top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I again come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou givest me, I will give a tent to thee. Lord, help us to understand what we have read this morning as a way for us to live today. Surely the Lord is in this place. Each dawn I live. A lady somewhat disappointed with herself and herself had this to say. She says, I have a fine home. I have my own car. I have a lovely family. I shop at some of the best stores. And go where I want to go and come when I want to come within the reason and limitations of my family. And people who look at me think that I am really, truly happy. In appearance, she says, and I am quite sure that this is the appearance that I give. But the truth of it is, I am discontent. And I am, in some situations, very unhappy. And because of this and this discontent, and unhappiness, when I look at all that God has given to me, she says, I really do feel guilty about it. 
and need some help to deal with this guilt. There's a man who said that I have a good position, my salary is adequate, I am married to a lovely girl and we have three kids, I play golf and I want to, but the truth of it is that I am disappointed in myself and I need some help because I realize that I am drinking far, far too much. And I think that in all probability, unless I find some help, it is going to get worse. Discontent and unhappy. Now this voice, regardless of what we have been able to accumulate and gather around us, speaks from the pit of our soul and tells us that something is not, not quite, quite right. So in each situation, and in your case and mine, if we come along and understand something of what these two people are experiencing, and of course the truth of it is all of us from time to time experience that to some degree, because these voices, that this voice speaks off within from the pit of our soul and tells us that some, something should be different. But there is a difference between trying to live that way 365 days out of the year and for that voice to sound off for two or three times out of the year and telling you that there's something uh, that should be upgraded and some things that should be changed. Now, this inner voice of ours, it is not unusual. In fact, it is as God-given and as any other beautiful faculty and capability uh, that God has ever given to you anywhere, any, any, any place. This inner voice that tells you that something is not right and something that should be, she done, be done about the way that you're living or you're trying uh, to live. It's interesting the way that we go about trying to handle this, this voice. I was told this story about the man that was sick and in a hospital. His wife was with him and he was very, very ill. And he said, you have, talking to his wife, said, you've been through everything with me. You've been right by my side. Said, uh, when I was in an accident, uh, you were, was right with me and stood by my side until I recovered. And uh, when uh, the old farm that we had, the things didn't go well on it, and a lot of our stock died that year, you stood uh, right, uh, right by my side and to support me. And said, in fact, you've been with me on every bad thing that's ever happened to me, and now here you are here in the hospital with me while I'm sick. And he says, you know, the thing about it is, it said, you're just bad luck to me. <laughs> now, that's what we think about maybe this voice that sounds off inside of us. And it comes at a time of unhappiness and is so prominent with us and speaking out to us that we think this is something that you shouldn't be. Well, what it is saying to us and trying to correct the situation, uh, that is true. But the important thing is, what are you going to do about to what this voice is calling for? Now, it seems to me there's two or three things right off the top of my mind I can think of uh, the way that we go about trying to deal with this deeper voice that comes uh, from the pit of our soul. We can ignore it. And we can live a miserable life every day of our life, regardless of how long that might be. And we never come to the place where we either want to solve it. Most of us try to resolve the situation, never really to solve it. And dealing with it in that matter, you might as well think of it in this terms. If you had to carry a rock with you and it had to be in your shoe, and uh, you know that you needed to do something about it because of the pain, 
Uh, but instead of really resolving or solving the situation, you just resolve it. And so you carry that rock in one shoe until it, it gets so painful there you can't stand it anymore. So you take that shoe off, remove the rock, take the other shoe off, put it in that shoe, and then walk on it a while longer, you see. Well, that's not solving anything. And some of us, we never get around, really. It's tragic. The way we go about living, never really to solve this problem that we have. Or we try to silence it in other ways. By trying to deaden it, to satiate it, to put it to sleep. And this is exactly what this man was experiencing that I told you about this morning. Now, how many people try to drug or use some kind of chemical to put to sleep this inner voice, to keep it from crying out and telling them that there's something that should, should be done? Now, folks, this inner voice is trying to prompt us just as much as pain tries to prompt you to make a change in your life or whatever it is, or stop doing some things that are painful. But this inner voice comes from the same basic thing that God gave to us in relation to pain. It is pain that motivates us to do certain things that we need to do in order that we feel more comfortable. Well, this inner voice, God gave it to us the same way to help us to do those things that we need to do in order for our life to be what God had intended for it to be to start with. But pain tells us to do something, but not necessarily what to do. Now, this inner voice will tell us that we are unhappy. We're not content. But it will not necessarily tell us what to do. I want to tell you this morning that there is a creative way to handle discomfort and unhappiness. And there's a way for you and I to face every sunrise as if it were a new one. Now, does that sound like an impossibility? Well, I want to tell you, dear friends, it's not an impossibility. It is not an impossibility, regardless of what you might think at this moment or at time or this time within your life. Now, if you have come to the place where you have experienced unhappiness and you're discontent, I want to tell you that you have arrived at an awesome place. Now, it's interesting to note the way that we try to change and what we try to change to make the change come about within our life uh, that we would like to have. But you have arrived at an awesome place. And the reason that is awesome, because you have arrived at the same place that Jacob arrived in his life of so long ago. Now, folks, this might as well have been written yesterday that I read to you from God's Holy Word. Because you see, there's still the same basic concept, the same basic answer that this man, man found long ago for his life is one and the same that you and I can lay hold of today to do the same uh, thing for you and I that it did for him of long ago. You have arrived at the place that, uh, that, uh, that Jacob called Bethel. You have arrived at a place where you know that neither things, places, conditions, regardless of how comfortable, how wonderful, how beautiful they are, and what other people think of them, and how, how beautiful and wonderful they think they are, you have arrived at a place where you know now that this will not satisfy your soul. And when you arrive at that place, it is awesome, and it's also dangerous. 
It's dangerous because sometimes we act in such a foolish way as that we destroy ourselves instead of bringing us to the place of where God wants us to be brought to be able to experience the fullness of our salvation that he has given to us. Happiness cannot be built on objects, things, places, situations. The most fragile life that can be built is built right at this point. And if you are not wise, and you will come to the place where you will build a very fragile life on these things that you can gather about you. And all has to happen is just one little slight mistake or happening. And it throws your whole structure of your life in, into question. True happiness comes from within. It is not built on anything outside of your own being. Now, those are those things that contribute to your life as long as you've got in here straightened out the way that it ought to be straightened. And you have it aligned to the right things the way that you ought to have it aligned, dear friends. But let me say to you. It cannot come from out there somewhere. Because you see, there is a prevailing spirit that gives balance and unity and harmony to our life, and we know that is God. And that God never changes. He is everlasting, and he is everywhere. The awesome discovery, one of the awesome discoveries that Jacob made was he woke to find that God was in this place. Now, folks, I want to tell you that when you come to the place where you know that God is right where you are, he's not off somewhere else, you can experience him right where you are, right where you are. It doesn't make any difference how little it is or how big it is, how plush it is, or how painful it is, or how uncomfortable it is. You can experience God in that place. This was the realization of this man of long ago. And what a revelation it was. It's always a revelation for us when we discover, discover that fact, regardless of where we are. Whether it be a hard place or a comfortable place, we have discovered an awesome fact that brings us to the realities of life that you and I can depend upon. Because you see, it is at this moment that you make a second discovery. When you come to the place of where Jacob came in his experience, my friend, you're going to know what he knew, and you're going to experience something of what he experienced. You see, it was that moment that he knew that his destiny was hooked with God. It was that moment that with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, that he knew that God was really in charge. He knew himself to be a spiritual being, and he knew that he was capable of communion with God. Now, when he realized that, that's only one part of the step. Now, the second thing, you know, most of us, I doubt whether there's too many people here, certainly my age, but what you haven't experienced, what I've just now said more than one time. You've had this type of experience in many different places. 
You've come to a place where at that very moment, there'll be people around you. They don't know what's going on. They can't see anything. But at that moment, uh, something has happened spiritually within your life, and you know that you're in tune with God. And you flow with the, with the beautiful harmony of the creation of God. At that moment, you can almost, within your feeling, within your senses, be able to reach out and touch God. He is just that real to you. The question, though, comes, after you've had this experience, what do you do about it? Is it something to be just enjoyed and just think, well, now that was wonderful, something that you've experienced, you can't even tell anybody about it necessarily because they think you're nuts. What have you done about those times and places and periods within your life when you have come so close to God and when you have sensed his divine presence? And you know that somehow, some way, you fit into his plans of the whole universe. Well, notice what Jacob did. He did the right things. Number one, don't get lost. Look at it. He knew that he needed to be close to this God, and so he decided to do what? To worship. This is none other than the, uh, the, the door to the, to the kingdom. And I need to worship here. Get your mind centered on, on the concept of worship, you see. You think you can live without worship. Well, you can in a way, and you can be miserable in a way the rest of your days, too. But to come to the thing, what I'm talking about this morning, to unlock it and release it and make it part of your heart and your soul as breathing is to you, you come to the place where you worship God. And you can do that every morning as soon as you your eyes open and you're conscious of, of another day by dedicating it to God or some other way that you can go through being conscious of God. Worship. Now, folks, we dilly-dally around with worship. You come whenever you want to, whenever you feel like it. And a lot of times you don't feel like it, and so you don't come. You think it doesn't cost you anything. It may be the most costly thing that you have ever caught up in. And if you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, I'll tell you it's costly because it's cost you your sense of well-being. It's cost you your identity with God. It cost you your communion with God. It cost you your knowledge of God. It costs you the sense of God's divine presence within your life. That's what it's costing you. Now, how much is that worth to you every day? How much is it worth every day? How much is it worth to get your eyes and mind, heart, and soul off of the things of this world and lock it where it ought to be, and then you come to a place to know that neither time, place, or presence, or lack of presence of anything will not separate you from the love of God. That's precisely what Paul was saying. And I want to tell you what Jacob experienced, what Paul experienced, is an open experience for you and me today. But I want to tell you, you're not going to do it unless you have some type of order of worship within your life. It will not be done. Now you can go ahead and live. But it will not be done what I'm talking about this morning. You will not see on, on morning, regardless of what the nature of the day might be, whether it's rain or sunshine, and see it as a beautiful day and an opportunity with God. It takes worship to do that. Secondly, there's two things. Oh, we don't know about this second one either. What was the second thing that, that he did? Now, he said, now, I'm... In order to maintain this, this type of relationship with God that I need, I need to worship. Secondly, secondly, just as important, he made a commitment to God. 
You see, these hearts and souls and minds of ours can burn within us with a fantastic spiritual experience and we just let it die on its sleep. This man was wise. Oh, very wise. In order to maintain what has been given to me, I need to make some kind of commitment. I want to tell you, dear friends, you cannot live upon the face of God-given earth and experience what God has intended for you to experience every day without making a commitment to him. It cannot be done. He will not, he will not, for some reason, I do not understand completely and totally, but he will not reveal himself completely and totally to you until at last you make a commitment to him. Now, no one's going to force you to make a commitment. Some of you know that uh, you ought to make a commitment to do something in the church here. Now, he's not going to force you. Certainly, the church is not going to force you to do it. Well, we may plague you a little bit, but, but we're not going to force you. Some of you... And hearing my voice this morning, know that you should make some kind of commitment to, uh, to this church here. But no one's going to force you to. You can come and go as you will and enjoy as much of this church as you can enjoy. But I want to tell you something. We're talking about something that's more personal than just this church. We're talking about the condition of your soul. The spiritual condition of your soul. You want to experience what God is, has for you. You don't have to walk in the light that he's given to you. And that means, my friend, that you're going to have to make some kind of commitment to him. You're going to have to commit yourself. You know, Jacob, he got right religious. That must have been a great experience. I mean, he really got religious. Because you see what he said? What did he say? Right there it is. He says, I will give the tenth to thee. Now that's religious, brother. He made a commitment. I, whatever I get from, from the rest of my days, whatever I get, I am going to make this commitment to you that I am going to give a tithe of whatever I get to you. Now, folks, listen. Now you put your soul in a position where it can understand God. Two things he did. I'm going to worship and I'm going to be a steward in God's kingdom. And you know something? Now, people that I know, my own heart and soul tells me this. The scripture tells me this. The example tells me this. Both the New Testament and the Old Testament tells me this. That this is the way that we're able to lay hold of those things that is necessary for you and I to have, to be able to have life the way that we ought to have it. You see, in this type of a situation, what you really do, you put God at the center of your living and your life. Or another way to put it, and I like it this way better, you put his, you put, you put your life, this is the best way to put it, you put your life in the hand of God. I guess you're saying the same thing when you say that I put God at the center of my life. No, the better way to say it, you are putting your life in the hand of God. You see, you become aware of the oneness of God and his creation and your life. It will give to you a sense that your life is not affected, really, by what you have in things or what you don't have in things. Your life is really at the citadel of your soul. It's not affected by that. And you begin to realize, just as played out in this man's life of long ago, that it gives you the greatest opportunity to be prosperous here upon the face of this God-given earth. Because somehow, some way, this puts you in a tune with God and with total creation. Is there a 
man, yes there is, God is in control of all of his creation, and when we become in a tune with him, and those things which are spiritual, don't you know the thing that you're driving at, sun up to sundown and into the night, in order to be able to have, that if you line yourself up with God, spiritually, that's the greatest possibility of you being able to have all of these things is greater at that moment than any other time that it's ever been within your life. And folk, I want you to listen to this one because on the surface it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. And you see, this type of alignment with God will give you a sense of right judgment because this judgment of yours is going to come from within, from a spiritual being that is in, a t in tune with God and in harmony with all creation and the possibility for you making the right judgment is almost perfect. Now you may make some type of a judgment and to this world it seems like it was the right costly thing to you but I want you to want to tell you something. I don't care what kind of judgment it is and how much disaster it brings that if you are standing where, where Jacob stood and where I'm telling you you can stand and have a possibility of standing, I want to tell you when you look back on it to, from some other place from now and you will be able to see even the most disastrous situation that you were in the hand of the living God and somehow, some way over there it's going to make sense and come out that this was love, God's love revealed to you even in that. I want to tell you that you're in a position to make the right judgment. You don't have to look back. Doesn't sound right, does it? There will be a unity about you and a wholeness that will attract others and things, possibilities, situations, or whatever it is to you because you are unified in the kingdom of God. And you have arrived at a place where you can really trust God because you know Him to be trustworthy. Here is the place where life becomes wonderful, becomes fantastic, and this is a place where life becomes an adventure for you and God together. And at this moment, in the time of your life, that you will literally know that nothing Nothing can check, can hinder, stop your growth and fulfillment upon the face of this God-given earth. And that is precisely, in a paraphrase, is what the Apostle Paul said when he was thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. From the citadel of your soul, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, you will operate. And from there, there can be no greater power, no greater love, no greater forgiveness and no greater blessing to this world and to affecting God's creation. There could be no greater place and no greater power than that. It is from within your being as it is attuned to God that you will find not only your greatest satisfaction and your deepest joy, but you will come to see that in and through you, God is perfecting. Now listen to this. In this, you will realize that God is not only perfecting you, dear friends, but he is perfecting 
his creation. And that means, you see, that you will have those things that you need to do what God would have you to do and helping him to perfect and create his creation. And in that situation, you will experience the joy, the peace, the happiness, and the fulfillment of your soul that this world only knows about it in and if this world knows God. Oh, our Father, help us then that we might be able to see what comes first. And may we be able to put first things first, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.